If you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Titus chapter 1, Titus chapter 1, while you're turning there, I'll go ahead and update you on our our outreach for the year, our weekly total for handing out tracts or gospel books or witnessing was 304 that we've uh, passed out this week, and uh, and our, it brings our yearly uh, total so far up to 4,211. And so we're very grateful for that, and just keep up the good work. Keep sowing that gospel seed. Titus chapter 1, and before we get into that, <clears throat> I have a little note to read to you. This is from Bob Short, and that is Addie Collins' brother. Central Baptist Church, Addie loved her church. I pray the Lord's blessing on the church and all of her friends there. She always told me of the visits to her and how they helped her through hard times. Thanks to the Lord's grace and her faith, she can now experience true joy. Bob Short, amen. And he left the church a $3,000 donation this morning. What a sweet man. He had a very sweet sister, a very precious sister. In verse 10 last week, Titus verse uh, chapter 1, verse 10 Paul told Titus that a pastor must be able to argue sound doctrine so that he can demonstrate the error of false teachers. Paul said, if you look with me back in verse 10 again, he said, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. These are false teachers speaking words he said they were vain talkers. And I told you last week we used the illustration of a truck driver uh, and uh, using uh, that illustration of them hauling trailers that were empty of cargo. And so I said, what would it be like if they pulled a trailer up to a loading dock and they opened it up and there's nothing there? But that's the way these vain talkers are. They have words that are empty of truth, that are empty of God's grace, that are empty of anything that can edify the body of Jesus Christ. And so when you have vain talkers, I said they tend to give symbol that's empty of substance a lot of times. And uh, and so uh, Miss Bonnie this morning brought a uh, little statue of Mary that her mother-in-law prayed to for many, many years. And uh, now I, I didn't want you to think that this statue was up here to enhance the sermon this morning, that I, you know, we're going to pray to her and all that stuff. But I wanted to show you just a little, a little uh, idol here that is just a, a piece of, Looks like some kind of uh, uh, pottery type uh, substance that's been painted by a man's hand, and uh, and she's been the the little trinket's been prayed to many many times. But if you look on inside, it's just completely hollow. There's nothing in there. <laughs> Vain talkers, empty words, hollow 
uh, uh, symbolism with no substance inside. There's nothing in there that can help somebody praying to this little trinket. And uh, she also brought the little Catholic Bible she had. And uh, it's extra thick because it has a lot of extra words in it that's not in our Bibles. It has books in there that help them get their doctrines, like the doctrine of purgatory, where you go hang out for a while and you burn and get in torment while your loved ones pay to bail you out, you know. It's really good at bringing money into the church. I, I started to teach on this doctrine. We'd had to put a few extra offering plates up there. But, uh, but we're not going to do that because that would be death in the pot, Brother Shepherd. We're not going to teach on that. All right, so, but I wanted to show you all that this morning. Thank you, Miss Bonnie, for bringing that and, and giving us a good object lesson this morning. But now we're looking at these false teachers again this morning. And Paul said, if you'll look in verse 9, he said, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse 10, he said, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Then he said, Especially they of the circumcision. And the circumcision was talking about, that was Paul's uh, words of describing the religious Jews of his day, the ones that preached Christ, the ones that preached the Mosaic law, the ones that were in charge of the temple, but they are the ones that rejected the Christ they preached, <laughs> rejected the Savior that uh, they actually had been preaching. And so we learn from that that the perversion of Bible doctrine, because they used the same Bible that uh, Paul had at the time, the law, the same Bible that Jesus read from in the temple. And so we learned that the perversion of Bible doctrine is the most dangerous thing to the church of Jesus Christ. Paul said there are false teachers out there who are perverting the word of God, false teachers who are leading people astray in the name of God. And Paul said these are teachers, verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped. The Greek word translated stopped here, it means to put something over the mouth. Now, if you put something over somebody's mouth... Let's say that I use Brother Doug all the time. So let's say that Brother Shepherd was going to be, no, let's do better than that. I got a Cajun Christian here this morning. My brother-in-law's here. I tell you what, you're going to get false doctrine. You just go to Louisiana. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. They got little alligator statues they pray to there. It's bad. Bayou Baptist, death in the pot, Brother Shepherd. Anyway, but let's say let's say that my brother-in-law, and he's a good Christian man. I always have fun with him. But let's say that he was going to be teaching some false, some Cajun Christianity. And let's say that somebody put their hand over his mouth. Putting the hand over the mouth would not be able to stop how he thought on the inside. You put someone's hand over the mouth, it won't stop them from even speaking or mumbling underneath the hand. But what it will do is render those words ineffective because it will help keep them from reaching the ears of other people, you see. And so Paul is saying here, there are people whose mouths must be stopped. Sound doctrine is like a hand over a false teacher's mouth. Remember, that's what Paul said. He said, uh, uh, if you'll look in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able, how? By sound doctrine, 
both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. And so sound doctrine is like a hand over a false teacher's mouth. The sound doctrine may not change their minds. The sound doctrine may not stop their false teaching. But here's what it will do. It will render their words ineffective to anyone who hears that sound doctrine we teach and who wants to know the truth. Render it ineffective. Now I want you to notice how emphatic the Apostle Paul is in this text. We, we love to talk about being tolerant these days, don't we? We don't want to be intolerant. I tell you what, God is an intolerant God. And I'm an intolerant preacher. And we need to be intolerant Christians. But notice how emphatic Paul is. Paul didn't say that we need to tolerate these teachers. Paul didn't say that these teachers love God. They're just mistaken on their doctrine. Paul didn't say these are brethren. They're just from another denomination, not ours. Paul said, these are teachers whose mouths might ought to be stopped. Possibly we ought to think about stopping them. No, he said they're teachers whose mouths what? Must be stopped. I've tried to expose false teaching in the past. How many of y'all have ever tried to expose false teaching in a church before? We got one, two, me as well, Brother Cliff. I've tried to expose false teaching in the past. You know, I was accused of splitting hairs. Oh, you're just splitting hairs. (laughs) I think if Paul were here today, I think there'd be a lot of people who accuse Paul of splitting hairs. There'd be a lot of people who labeled Paul as they labeled me and probably y'all. How did it turn out for you, Brother Cliff, when you tried to expose false doctrine? People get a cheering section for you? Yeah, the opposite for me, Brother Shepherd. You got run off. I got run off. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so uh, I, I'm sure that, that with Paul, they would, if he was here today, they'd, he'd be labeled a troublemaker. Someone is sowing discord among the brethren. That's another one they like to say as well. I mean, when you start calling people out as false teachers, especially the false teachers popular with the people, when you start taking the word of God and you start pointing out false doctrine, it's going to upset some people. But when you're exposing false teaching, you're not starting trouble. You're pointing out the trouble that's already there. I've had church people so upset at me before for pointing out false doctrine thinking I was a troublemaker. And here's how I see that. It's like a person seeing a fox in the hen house. And when you point that fox out, all the chickens get upset at you. That's what it's like. Now, why did the chickens get upset? Because before they knew there was a fox in the hen house, they were sitting on their nest perfectly fine, cackling back and forth to each other, roosters crowing. Everybody's fine because nobody knows about the fox in the hen house, so it's peaceful in the hen house. But when you point out the fox, suddenly everybody's nervous and they're troubled. They're troubled. But instead of getting upset at the fox, they're upset at you. <laughs> And that's crazy because they're not upset at the fox. They're upset at you for pointing the fox out. 
But here's the truth, that that fox stays in that hen house. And those hens are eventually going to be destroyed by that fox. And if a false teacher is able to remain in the church, if false doctrine is tolerated in the church, then those people will eventually be destroyed by the false teaching that they believe. Paul didn't say that false teachers' mouths must be tolerated. He said they must be stopped. They must have the hand of sound doctrine placed over their unsound mouths. So when I encounter false teaching, as I often do, then by God's grace, I'm going to address it in the church, and I'm going to correct that teaching for the sake of all involved. We need to be taught those things. If not, just like the, there was such a wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning about the, the sons of the prophets and them cutting up wild gourds and putting them in that pot of stew and the prophet started eating. They said, there's death in the pot. <laughs> and, uh, and we want to point out the false or the, the wild gourds to you. And, if you. and the reason they got in the pot, the Bible says they, didn't, they weren't familiar with the gourds. I want you to be familiar with the gourds. We're going to point them out to you. So when we expose false teaching here in the church, we're not trying to hurt anybody. We're not trying to embarrass somebody from a different denomination or anything like that. We're just trying to keep people from getting hurt. We must do this, Paul said, because God says their mouths must be stopped. And now Paul's going to tell us why their mouths must be stopped. Namely, Paul says, these are false teachers, look back in your text, who subvert whole Households. These are false teachers, Paul says, who subvert whole households. Like I said, we're trying to keep people from being hurt. The word subvert here, we don't use that word a whole lot. It means to overthrow, like if someone were to overthrow uh, political power, a nation or something like that. It means to overthrow, like overthrowing a government. Paul said false teachers subvert whole Houses. It destroys whole families. Mama prayed to Mary for some 50 years. And guess where this wound up at? In her son's hands. And Miss Bonnie said her husband may have prayed to that too. She doesn't know. He converted finally, thank God. He left Catholicism. But this came down from Mama. And it came down to her son. People who don't want to call out false teaching for the sake of hurting the feelings of the false teacher or hurting the feelings of the people that listen to that false teacher. They're not considering all the lives that false teaching is destroying. False teaching destroys entire families. Daddy believes the lie. Mama believes a lie that daddy brings into the house. And then the children follow what their parents taught them. Happens all the time. And then they all die and they go to hell believing the lie that they were told. While 
they were here on earth, everything seemed okay. They were like the hens in the hen house, nice and peaceful, sitting on their eggs. They did well in school. They did well in their careers. They seemed to do well at home. Everybody got along with each other, and everyone loved the church they went to and all the activities they had. But eventually, their lives came to an end. The mom, the dad, and all their children, and when they did, The lie that they believed, like the fox in the hen house, came to bite them. They got a nasty wound that will last forever because the reality of their lie faced the truth of God. Nobody is right about everything in the Bible. I I wish I could say that everything I've ever taught has always been right and I've never messed anything up. No one's going to teach everything right in the Bible 100% of the time. All teachers make mistakes. But we're not talking about mistakes here. We're talking about unsound teaching on the fundamental issues of the Bible. Paul is talking about people who are looking back in your text now. He's talking about people who are teaching things which they ought not. Teaching things which they ought not. They ought not to teach these things. Paul is saying they have no business in the teaching business. <laughs> they, they ought not to be teaching these things. They have no business in the teaching business. God never called them to preach. They ought not to be standing in the pulpit at all. This means people, if they ought not to be teaching these things, It means people ought not to be listening to them. That's a logical, biblical conclusion, right? If they ought not to be teaching, people ought not to be listening to them. I've been amazed at how many people will attend a church that they know isn't preaching the truth. And you all know anybody that attends a church that that person, not that you know that church isn't preaching the truth, but that person knows that church isn't teaching the truth. Anybody know anyone like that? I see several hands. It's amazing to me. But I, I, how, how they, they, they attend a church they know isn't preaching the truth, and you know why they do it? A lot of times it's for the sake of convenience. Convenience. Church is right down the road convenience. Well, that's where my family goes to. I don't want to upset my family, Brother Doug. My goodness, I don't want to do that. If I leave that church, man, we're going to be in trouble. Y'all remember uh, Brother Keith there in South Africa when he became a believer? His mama, his parents, his sister all went to the same church. And of all people, his uncle, his mama's brother, was the pastor. But when Brother Keith learned the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know what Brother Keith had to do? Man, it wasn't easy. He vomited. He took out. He left that church and he had to tell Mama. He had to tell Uncle. Uncle, I'm sorry. We don't believe the same way anymore. I love you, but I can't stay here in this church. And he left and he stood strong on the gospel. I thank God for people like that. Was that convenient? That was not convenient. If people will stay in a church and they'll tolerate false teaching for the sake of not disrupting their family, for the sake of not making anyone upset because it's right down the road, or a lot of times for the sake of simply easing their conscience. There's a lot of people 
who uh, come into the Know I'm Saved website. They become believers. But they want to go to a, a physical church. They don't, they don't have a good Bible teaching church in their area. But people make them feel guilty because they, uh, if they attend church online, uh, a Bible teaching church online. I've always said, I'd rather be fed online than uh, 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 confused in person, you know. Uh, but, uh, but, but that's, that's what they do. And so a lot of them, they'll go back to a church and they know that church isn't preaching right. They'll write me and tell me what they're teaching. They'll, they'll gripe about it. They'll complain about it. I'll tell them, well, then get out of there. Boy, they know it's going to upset the family if they do. They know the preacher's been friends with them. They don't want to leave that preacher. Why, they're friends. They're good friends. And so they go and they stay frustrated in person when they could be fed going to a Bible teaching church somewhere else. They go for the sake of easing their conscience. They think, I know the gospel isn't preached here, but at least I'm at church. They think, I know false doctrine is here, but at least my children are being raised in the house of God. But listen, if the truth isn't being taught, is that a church? (laughs) A church cannot exist without the truth. And you can't have the truth without the gospel of Jesus Christ. They ought not to be teaching, therefore we ought not to be listening to them. But until this earth is redeemed by Jesus when he comes again, let me tell you, there will never be a shortage of false teachers that Paul's talking about. Teachers who teach their false doctrine, Paul said, are people who do it, look back in your text, for filthy lucre's sake. Filthy lucre's sake. Now we learn what filthy lucre meant in 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 a different study in 1 Timothy which we haven't uh, been too long out of 1 Timothy. And filthy lucre means unrighteous gain. Lucre, like where we get our word lucrative, filthy, dirty. Today we would call it dirty money. That's why they have money laundering. Filthy lucre. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, let me remind you. 1 Timothy 3, 3. Paul said a pastor must be someone who is, quote, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. It means he must not be someone who's doing something that God does not approve of, but he's doing it because it's paying the bills. Never do something that God does not approve of because it pays the bills. I'd rather have God taking care of my needs than the devil. Anytime. But these pastors, these teachers don't care if God's paying the bill or if the devil's paying the bill. They're like the whore in the book of Proverbs who sleeps around for her money. And then when she eats her meal, she takes a nap and wipes her face and says, I hadn't done anything wrong. It pays the bills. That's the way these preachers think too. They're spiritual prostitutes and they don't mind pimping out their false doctrine so long as it pays the bills say brother richard you really believe there are people in the pulpits that are that corrupt and think that way you better believe they are 
Or else God would not be putting it in here that they're doing it for filthy lucre's sake. They're doing it because it pays the bills, even though God disapproves of it. So if these people ought not to teach unsound doctrine, yet they are getting paid to teach this unsound doctrine, then they are doing so not for the glory of God. They're not doing it for the advancement of God's kingdom because the only thing that can advance God's kingdom is truth. They're doing it for the sake of the dollar. There are people who get paid comfortably to be in the ministry. And they have no business being in the ministry at all. And it seems like a lot of times the people who get paid the most teach the least truth. It just seems to be that way. They aren't seekers of the truth. They're proliferators of their own vain imaginations. They speak empty words to hollow people in the name of Jesus. Just think about the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day. They had a much better benefits package than Jesus and his disciples. Think about it. Great benefits package, man. They had the nice clothes, the nice long priestly robes and nice long garments and everything. They enjoyed the chief seats in the synagogues. Privilege came with that job. It was upper crust. Had a great pay package. The benefits of receiving and living off tithes and first fruits. The the greetings in the marketplaces, the respect of their fellow men and their community. And and, and they had privileges with the Roman government. They they had a lot of pull with that Roman government we see, and which is why Pilate went ahead and collaborated with them when they crucified Jesus. They were working in full-time Christian ministry. They believed in Christ too. But they rejected the one true Christ. In the name of Christ. You see how that works? They were in full-time Christian ministry, yet they had no business in the ministry. Nevertheless, they were the ones with the big package, with all the respect, the people that the nation listened to. Had they been seeking the truth, they would have never crucified the truth when it came to them. Had they been searching the Scriptures to know the will of God, then they would not have rejected the Savior God sent. They would have repented when Jesus came. But instead, they rejected John's message about Jesus, and they doubled down when the man John preached about came on the scene. Never forget, these were the respected educated religious leaders of their day. They went to the right seminaries. They dressed the right way. They held the right positions. They had all the right credentials. Yet they, like many of our religious leaders today, ought not to have been teaching anybody at all. Like Judas, they weren't in it for the ministry. They were in it for the money. They weren't in it for the people. They weren't in it for the love of God. They were in it because it paid the bills and it gave them status in life in the community. Never be ashamed to point out false doctrine. Jesus did. Never be ashamed to point out false doctrine. The apostle Paul did. 
Never be ashamed to point out doctrine. The Bible says their mouths by teaching sound doctrine must be stopped. Never think you're a troublemaker. Never assume that you owe a false teacher in the church he pastors any time or attention at all. You don't. They ought not to be teaching. You ought not to be listening. And with that, we'll close today. And God willing, we'll take back up in verse 12 next Sunday. Boy, Paul shot it straight today, didn't he? He shot it straight today. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. God, we're so glad that we have truth that's not hollow. We have words, Lord, that have substance and light and life. Words that are nutritious spiritually to us and we can feed off of them and live. They're not hollow like the little statue on the pulpit. They're not made by man like the little statue on the pulpit. They are the words of God. The words of life. The very word that was made flesh is who we preach. And the words he give us is what we teach. And I pray, Father, we'll never look to the left or to the right of your word. That with sound doctrine, Father God, we'll live, we'll learn, and we'll rebuke. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. And for all honor and glory to go to you, Father. Amen.